A few years ago, I had the privilege of being able to serve on the Student Government Association, the Seminarian Association at the seminary, wherever we had this executive board of different seminarians from different dioceses with different gifts to kind of plan out all the different things that we were doing. And one of my favorite things that we did every year was right on the day of March 19th, the Solemnity of St. Joseph, when we'd build this giant St. Joseph altar, it'd be all decorated. We had cookies galore and pastries, a whole meal, and everything came together very beautifully. We'd start with a mass, we would process with a big statue of St. Joseph, put him on the altar, bless the altar, and enjoy the food. This particular year, they had the idea of actually doing the, I guess, more traditional thing of doing what the St. Joseph altar was supposed to do, and invite the poor from the area in New Orleans to come to the seminary. And that is very beautiful, and that is very noble, but my logistical mind started to go absolutely insane. I started to ask the questions, how do we know how many people is going to come? Where are they going to sit? Where are we going to get all of this food? What if we run out of food? What if too many people show up? More importantly, what if they eat all the cookies? We don't have anybody to, any to take home for ourselves. All of these different things, I wanted to know every last detail. And eventually they just kind of listened and listened and listened and said, we're going to do it anyway. So I was kind of hands off, backed up and like, Lord, take care of this. See, what I was lacking in that moment is what all the readings, all the Psalms, all the prayers talk about this Sunday. Humility. And humility is one of those things we hear about a lot. We talk about it all the time. We read about it in Scripture. We know what humility is, or at least we think we do. But ultimately, humility is probably the hardest virtue to actually live out. It's hard to put into action. Why? Because humility is that one virtue that makes all of our other virtues in life actually holy and virtuous. What I mean by that is it's only through humility that we benefit from good works, that our good works... Namely, I can go and make this whole grand parade to the food bank and donate all this food. I could also post it on Instagram right after so that everybody sees how awesome I am. I can write this giant check from my savings account to some homeless shelter or whatever it may be, and then I can take a picture of it and send it to all of my friends and boast about what I just did. I can go to a hospital, I can go to a nursing home, I can go wherever I want, visit people, make their day, and then still brag about how great I am because I did this particular thing. None of that benefits us and makes us holy. If there is no humility there, it does us no good. It does the people good, sure. But we're not building up God's kingdom, we're building up the kingdom of my heart my desires, my conveniences, my own glory. There's no humility in that. And yet we're reminded today in all of the readings that we serve a God who is, number one, alive. We serve a God who is, number two, abundant in whatever he gives. He gives gifts abundantly more and more and more. The gift to preach, the gift to go out into our schools, into our our, our homes, our workplaces, to evangelize, to spread the gospel. He gives us these gifts, not so we just keep them closed up here. You're going to hear me and Father Andrew talk time and time again about taking the faith outside of Christ the King, where it matters and makes a difference, with all humility, of course. God has given us great, great gifts, great authority and great power. 
It worked at the six o'clock mass, so I'll try it here. There's this very, very famous line from a certain superhero movie that goes a little something like, with great power comes great... I knew I wasn't that old. Thank you for that. With great power comes great responsibility. God has given us great power. And with that power comes the responsibility to live it. That's not just a popular quote from Spider-Man. That's actually a pretty solid principle to live by. Because when we see our God as a God of abundance, a God of power, a God of mercy and love, and all these different things that he gives us freely, it's not for us to just say, wow, you're pretty awesome, God. Thanks for that. See you next Sunday. There certainly is that temptation. There certainly is that temptation to just keep the faith bundled up, to live as a good Catholic Christian here every Sunday. Because when you go back in the world, it's a battle. It's a battle, let's be honest. We want the honor, we want the glory, we want the fame, but not at the cost of humility, of having to humble ourselves. Listen again to what the, the first reading said. Conduct your affairs with humility, and you will be loved more than a giver of gifts. Do what you're going to do with humility. Do it in a good, holy, and loving manner, and you will be loved more and more and more. Not because you're earning God's love. He loves you infinitely already. But when we put ourselves in a place of, uh, of humility and holiness, truly living virtues, our hearts are torn open to be able to receive that love of the Father in a new way. He says in Revelation, Behold, I make all things new. It doesn't say I fix all things, I kind of replaster and repaint some things and just kind of give you a new face job there. No, I make all things new. I make all things whole and holy in abundance, in love, and we don't see that without humility. The other side of it, which is the unfortunate side, is that humility demands sacrifice. Without sacrifice, there is no humility. When we're going to humble ourselves, we have to sacrifice our pride. We're going to have to sacrifice our need to be recognized. We're going to have to sacrifice our desire to be repaid for what we've done. Most importantly, though, we have to sacrifice the need that we have, the desire to have every last detail, answer, and design, to have control of the whole situation. I didn't have that with the story of the St. Joseph altar. But see, the ending of that story is that the St. Joseph altar came, we had the mass, we processed and sang, and it was just beautiful. We get there, we bless the altar, we have our cookies and our spaghetti and all this fun stuff, and then we go to class. And then they opened the doors and told the faculty and staff and the seminaries to, to seminarians to either stay away unless you're going to help serve. Some of us had class, some of us stick, stuck around to serve, and boy, were we shocked. Because as my prediction came true, we had so many more people than we were prepared for. I'm talking hundreds of people from all over the city because they bought bus tickets and distributed them all over New Orleans. I don't know if you've been there recently. New Orleans is not a small town. Went all throughout the city, bus passes, so that no matter where they were in the city, they could come to the seminary. And all of these people, 200, 250 came, learned about St. Joseph, saw the altar, ate their meal, ate another meal, ate the cookies, took some to go. And somehow, somehow, even though I was right about millions of people showing up, 
I was wrong about the quantity of food because there was too much. This isn't just some cute anecdote. This isn't just like some made-up story to be all flowery in the homily. But we boxed up probably about another 100 meals to go out throughout New Orleans to the overpasses and to distribute to the homeless, to the hungry. Where that food came from, honest to God, I do not know to this day. But it was there and it was abundant. Talk about humility. Having to swallow your pride and back up and say, all right, thank you, Jesus, for this. I needed it. We don't know where the food came from. But God showed in that moment he is alive and he's abundant. He gives and loves abundantly. Because I kept going, it's not going to work. It's not going to work for this, that reason, or that reason. And eventually they just stopped and they said, Matthew, if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen. But you know what? We're going to try anyway. They tried and God came through. More people than expected, more food than ever imagined, and it was abundant. That day was not fun for me. <laughs> to have to realize that you've been humbled, it hurts, but it is so beautiful, and it is so life-giving, because our God is one of abundance. He provides abundantly for those who humble themselves. Do you live humility? Do you try to cultivate that virtue in life? If you need a little dose of it, don't be afraid to pray for it, but then buckle up for the roller coaster you just stepped onto. Because God is not some wizard up in heaven. He doesn't just zap us with, with holiness and humility and patience and all these things. What he gives us, all these opportunities to be able to foster that. For example, I pray for patience and then I get stuck in the middle of campus on Highland Road when all the students are out and about and it takes a good 30 minutes just to go a good block and a half. I can either blow up at the people around me or I can just take a deep breath, pray, and thank God for the grace of patience. When I have to sacrifice whatever it is I want, my grades that I want in school, my roommates to do this or to not do that, my family to provide this or to leave me alone, whatever it is that we desire, when we have the humility to sacrifice it, to step back and just trust that God is in control and will provide? Imagine. Imagine the beautiful things that you're going to be able to see. Not because you earn it, but because you're more disposed to it. You can see it more. When you put yourself in a certain humility and poverty, what you're going to find is not that, no, God doesn't just zap you with the humility, but that maybe you have the opportunity to help somebody else out. Maybe you have the opportunity to sacrifice something you really don't need for the good of somebody else, knowing good and well that they will never be able to pay you back. Maybe you'll find that God isn't so distant after all. He's not just some personality we read about in Scripture. He's not just some idea, but he's a person, alive, living abundantly, sharing abundantly, blessing abundantly. Yeah, there's a certain reverence we owe him, but he is approachable. He's in our midst, and he wants us to approach him. In our human brokenness, we can't see the fullness of that glory. That's another humility that we have to experience. To be able to sacrifice our own expectation of seeing God face to face in fullness of his glory here on earth. But Jesus makes not just a suggestion today. It's a promise. A promise that you will be repaid, but it's not going to be in the way you're expecting. If you find yourself downtrodden, if you find yourself not knowing where to go, 
Be humble. Be humble enough to own up to what you've done wrong. Day in and day out, Father Andrew and I sit in this little box back there called the confessional. And so often, myself included, when we go to confession, we get so downhearted. We're discouraged. I'm here again. It's only been a week since my last confession. It's been a few days. I don't know what it is. It's the same old stuff. Again and again and again and again. God does not care. Be humble enough to admit it, to confess it, and then be open enough to receive the grace and to be able to hold your head up high, walk out of the door, be free from sin, and receive that grace to keep fighting. Because we have to acknowledge what's going on around us. There is a war. There is a battle constantly raging for our soul between God and the enemy. Virtue casts the enemy away. It's hard. There's no humility in Satan. Nothing but pride. There's no patience, nothing but ingratitude. We have the capacity to be the opposite, to know, to love, and to choose God. So if you find yourself there discouraged, disheartened, take heart. Don't be afraid. Be humble. Be patient. Know that the Lord loves you abundantly. Know that he forgives you abundantly. Know that he gives you grace abundantly to go out, to live the faith, to choose him, and to live humility. Do you sacrifice your pride, though? You give up what you need to be repaid. You think you need to be rewarded or recognized. Whatever it is, give it up. Sacrifice it. And rest in the words, these last few words of the gospel today. Not just a flowery suggestion or poetic language, but a promise, an absolute promise from Jesus Christ that you will be repaid as you store up treasure for yourself, real treasure, treasure that lasts, treasure that matters, not here on earth, but in heaven. Because you will, he says, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Why? Because you'll be counted in that number of the righteous. Your heart rent open, the Holy Spirit invigorating you, the sacred heart giving you life. That's what heaven is, to see God face to face. Then there's nothing but humility and true joy. So be not afraid. Take heart. Be humble. Apologize to someone you've hurt. Ask for their forgiveness. Ask for the Lord's forgiveness. Whatever it is, it's not a matter of feeling bad or thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves a little bit less. We are important to the Lord, but in the eyes of everybody else, the Lord should be most important to us. We should strive to satisfy Him, to know Him, to love, to choose, and to live with Him. Because He is a God of life. He's a God of humility, and He'll grant it to us but only when we follow him abundantly. You've been listening to the Christ the King at LSU podcast. If you would like to become a golden giver or learn more about what we do, please visit ctklsu.org.